there's even more of a, a bigger responsibility from an adult perspective with their children right now to actually dive in a little bit younger on these types of conversations around self-love, self-esteem. How do you feel about yourself? Like, what does that make you feel? At five, six, seven, whatever, even if we assume they're not getting it, I just sit here and think, okay, how do I help prevent a slippery slope when I'm not around? Like when they're being exposed by mass media, whatever, social media, and they are sitting in front of something they shouldn't be, or they're sitting in front of comparison on a regular basis, how have I prepared them for that moment? Well, today, uh, Alana and I have a special guest for the second time. Mm-hmm. We have done a podcast otherwise with her and Jesse, but we have Crystal Park here with us. Our topic is sort of an add-on to um, what we were discussing in the previous podcast, and that's uh, the umbrella, the over overview of it is all about, you know, um, who says we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and so the previous podcast was a lot about, um, women, mature women, adult women, you know, teenagers and so on. But these two beautiful women that I sit in front of have beautiful children. And we're going to talk about the impact of this topic on children, women or young women. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, I think this lends naturally to, you know, the conversation around, you know, as we were talking about body image and uh, roles of women and that sort of thing um, and how we're navigating that um, in our adult life. Obviously, you know, we got to think about the little women, the the girls that become women Mm -hmm. and the influences that we as women have on them. So as mothers, aunts. Um, grandparents, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, be the adult you want your children to become, right? Mm, very true. They, they do what they see, not what they hear. So I think naturally, you know, it's something I always want to be mindful of with my girls. Um, you know, just what are we always trying to do? Prevent them from having to struggle, right? And mm-hmm. um, so, and I, and I think even the environment and the culture that kids are being uh, or, or growing up in and, and exposed to is very different than in the environment I grew up in. And I mean, I can see the impact of, you know, conversations and, uh, environments, how that's influenced me. I, you know, what's that going to look like for mm-hmm. them in 20 years? So, yeah, I think that was the yeah, motivation of the conversation topic. of just being, you know, how do we, how do we navigate this for our precious little, um, girls in our lives and and um Mm -hmm. what that looks like so before we kind of move on what i want to do even though we've introduced you in the previous podcast let's just say some people haven't listened to that one so if you don't mind crystal just giving us a little bit of a who are you yes i am crystal 
and I am friends with these two <laughs> yeah. lovely ladies. Yeah. And um, yeah, I live here in Kelowna. I'm a mother of two teenage daughters and a mm-hmm. son, and uh, married. And this topic is mm-hmm. very uh, important to me, mm-hmm. and I feel very passionately about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's um. I guess it's something, too, that you sometimes only... It's not to say that I didn't think about the things like body image and, you know, the influence that my mom had on me in creating that, growing up and that sort of thing, but you become hyper-aware of it, I think, when you become a mother of girls. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. there's a lot more of a, like, oh, I can't say that or I don't want to think those thoughts or you know with that self-criticism or even a simple thing is like oh you know I don't like how I look in this dress or I can't wear that dress I don't look good or or mm-hmm. you know whatever oh, yeah. comments we might say or oh no I'm not going to have dessert yeah. you know like what is the messaging that we're mm-hmm. we're we're sending them right true um so yeah I'm excited to kind of dive into it so huh. let's just talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit of you know what is what really represents, first of all, body image, like, you know, and, and I want to dive into that a little bit just around like what that encompasses, what we, you know, when we think about that, what do we, you know, so people have a reference point Mm -hmm. of kind of what we're referring to, because it's Mm -hmm. not just how we feel about ourselves Mm -hmm. and our bodies, but there's more to it than that. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, um, well, body image in terms of self-worth is that what Mm -hmm. you know i'd say it's it's so intimately tied and i got to keep my mind on focusing on young beautiful little little Mm -hmm. women right and it's such a delicate delicate spot like that self-worth piece oh oh just so everybody knows we're out in nature right now we're out in the back of alana's backyard and we've got river and we've got birds and just got a bike that ripped by and then we have a plane that just went over so so (laughs) imagine the paradise we're in right now (laughs) oh and then maggie barked but we we fixed that so uh yeah um so needless to say the yeah it's funny because uh, i don't have children but Mm -hmm. what's incredible is that my beautiful amazing girlfriends have children that i get to kind of peek into the lives of their children Mm -hmm. every once in a while take them somewhat and I forget sometimes that I have an influence over that you know mm-hmm. I have 14 nieces and nephews 15 I think actually I'm a great aunt now weird um, and then also I was in a relationship with a gentleman that had four young children and three of them were little girls mm-hmm. so when you talk about the impact of mm-hmm. hey who am I being mm-hmm. to help this little person have an understanding of their self-image because they're watching me. Right. It was highly acute for sure in that relationship because, you know, they would come in and ask me why, why are you doing that? Why do I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, you do your hair every single day. Why do you curl your hair every single day? I'm like, Hmm, good question. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and what does that mean for you? Little beautiful yeah. thing about me doing my hair, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So the impact is pretty significant as a role model mm-hmm. in a variety of different ways. Um, body image is like a, so I don't know, I guess I'm maybe misunderstanding the question. No, well, when I think about it, um, cause it is about obviously how we feel about our bodies, but it's also, um, 
yes, a reflection of self-worth, absolutely. Mm. But I think it's also a reflection of sexuality. Oh, there we go. Um, okay. You know, uh, who we are, you know, are we comfortable with mm. our sexuality and what does that mean? Mm. Um, because obviously our body is physical, yeah. right? And when we talk about relationships, especially yeah. as we get older, it is related, you know, an attraction is due to our physical body. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think that there's, it's almost like, and, and I mean, I can think about growing up where, you know, my mom didn't let me leave the house unless my hair was perfect. Mm. You know, it had to be in braids most of the time. Yeah. Or, you know, and I can just remember the torture of standing in front of the mirrors. My mom was, you know, braiding my hair and like felt like it was ripping out of my head. And, mm. and you know, at the time you're just like, okay, you know, you just assume that's the normal. Um, but mm. what is the impact of that? Well, it means that I have to be presentable. I have to be, mm-hmm. you know, I have to look a certain way. I have to be. You know, I'm a reflection of her, obviously. Yeah. That's that codependency. Um, Interesting, but and, also associated to torture. Right. <laughs> and like, so, moly. you know, here, you know, I thought about, you know, those are just things you don't think about, mm, I think. True. And then as I, you know, my kids get older and I'm like, did you brush your hair today? <laughs> you know, I, I never... And I don't know if it was like a, a conscious or unconscious mm. rebellion, um, or if it was more just like I don't have I don't have time, or mm. it's just, I just it's not significant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me reflect and be like, hmm, like I don't think I could have left the house without brushing my hair, you know. Mm. Um, and not only because I felt not that you know maybe I felt the judgment of my mom, but I actually was judging myself. Like yeah. it, oh, it, it yeah. transfers from yeah. you know you feel like is that acceptable to my parent and my mother to now is it am I acceptable in myself? Right. So yeah. now I wouldn't dare leave. Um, you know unless I had you know matching socks and you know, my hair done and um, so. You know, now I. I, I was going to say, I definitely know a different side to Atlanta now. Yeah. Like, uh, she, I, I'm I, like, girl, have you done your hair? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. This is on the and tousled. It's so right, true. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh-huh. I had to almost, it's been a conscious oh, yeah. um, awareness. Unraveling. Yeah, mm-hmm. to, to really recognize. Yeah, I feel like there is this shift in. Um, from our parents' generation down to our generation, mm-hmm. where maybe our mothers didn't realize that mm-hmm. they were oh, imposing yeah. their oh. stuff onto us, yeah. you know, oh, and it sure. came across as, well, I just want you mm-hmm. to be, you know, the best version of you, but really right. the message was like, I want you to be everything that I wasn't or Mm -hmm. I want you to show up in the world a certain way because if you don't, then I look like, like I'm not doing my job or I'm a bad mom or I'm not taking, you know, like God Mm -hmm. forbid, what, what would people think if Alana showed up at, Mm -hmm. at church and her hair Mm. was uncombed, (laughs) right? What would they think? Where's her mother? Exactly. What did she even do this morning? Her eyes are peeled back because right. the braids are so yeah, tight. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think that there's really, I think that's something that perhaps our generation is doing better yeah. in and. Uh, True. You know. Yeah. Well, and even having that. conversations. Like, I mean, yeah. they didn't have podcasts to listen to. Yeah. They didn't True. have, you know, there might have been the odd books, but they, mm-hmm. they were more like. Um, 
like psychological books and ones mm-hmm. that you would read if you were like in real dire, you know, situations, they weren't like the idea of self-help just mm-hmm. really wasn't a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the conversations, it was, you know, kept behind closed doors kind of thing. So uh, I don't think there was as much access and awareness and, you know, reflection mm-hmm. on, you, we just did what we did, you know, parents just, you know, they did what their parents did and so on and so on. So I feel grateful in that regard that we, you know, to be a parent in a in a time and uh, season of history where mm-hmm. we do have much more access to information and awareness mm-hmm. and understanding and tools to kind of do better, right? Mm-hmm. True. I think, um, yeah. The um, concept of body image, I would just say to body language. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just thinking, hey, man, there's a whole language with our physical body, you know? Right. And so it's in the language of representation, in the language of what is it, what do I want as feedback from a language? Mm -hmm. You know, like it's how, if I represent myself this way, then what kind of feedback am I, Mm -hmm. not feedback, conversation am I having with other people? Right. With my body language. And when we think about young girls, I I was just thinking about Sophie, Mm -hmm. Ralph's oldest daughter's cutest little beautiful, they're all beautiful, but she would ask me, um, she just questioned my aesthetics all the time. And I'm like, this is, I'm like, man, this is really great work for me because I'm like making me a lot more conscious. But she asked me a few times, you know, um, again, why do you do that? And uh, I would say, because I want to feel pretty Mm. and I want to feel pretty for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes me feel good for me in this body language to, to repre- be representative of something that I feel is attractive. Mm-hmm. And so it, was, it wasn't great because I had a chance to check in and then I had a chance to check in. I'm like, okay, why mm-hmm. am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And then if it was negative in any way, then I'd reframe it so that I could teach her mm-hmm. the, the reframe so that if she was doing something, ideally it would be for her to feel good about herself, not for anyone else, but Mm -hmm. just because she wanted to. Mm -hmm. That's also what my mom actually really taught me a lot of too. She, she really didn't do a lot that way from an aesthetic perspective for anyone else. Mm -hmm. She really didn't, which was very cool. And it, she didn't even talk about it. That's just who she was. Mm -hmm. She, she loves to be pretty. She loves to dress up. She's got all the earrings and all the, you Mm -hmm. know, the cool clothes and, but it wasn't over the top for for anything else. So mm-hmm. I, was, I guess I'm grateful that I had a, a representation that way. Mm-hmm. So I just never really knew. But the the body language and and a man. I'm just thinking about. We were talking about this earlier. The influence that we didn't have from an external external influence, like you said, the magazines mm-hmm. in the stores were really the comparison that we had and now our young little beautiful humans have mass amount of uh comparison that they're doing on a regular basis social social media and internet and whatever right yeah 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 like i i was saying to to crystal you know i i remember just it might have been the five minutes that we were standing in the grocery lineup that i would look at the magazines and have that moment of oh well why don't I look like that Mm -hmm. or why is my hair frizzy and their hair Mm -hmm. is smooth or or why Mm -hmm. do they have you know clear skin and I don't and Mm -hmm. and 
now, and but then you go home and you play with your Barbies, right? Mm. But now the kids, like my kids, they can sit. I mean, I don't let them, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the average time that a, a kid spends on, on their phone is something like five yeah. hours or it might even be more than that. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, but that's a lot of time. Exposure. And, um, to just be looking at what really is unattainable things because uh, images because half of the time they're mm-hmm. they're you know airbrushed or the, it's the yeah. camera angle yeah. or they've got makeup or they've yeah. got you know whatever right and mm-hmm. it's totally and I think that's part of the the whole thing is it's one thing to have the reflection around um, you know our influence yeah. as mothers or women. But there's a whole nother influence, especially when they get into, you know, phones and, you know, teenagers that we have, you know, no control over the um, of what that exposure is. Yeah. Obviously, we can control the, you know, the phones and that kind of thing. And however, you know, turn on the TV and, you know, watch a movie or a TV show. I mean, mm-hmm. the images, the stories are similar. And um, I think that's the part where there's there's more influences than what we can probably look back and think well there was a few key you know maybe women or or maybe a magazine that we had or mm-hmm. but now there's so many influences mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. around how they perceive themselves mm-hmm. before they have the wisdom and discernment to actually understand it you know mm-hmm. it's it's still at a very impressionable time yes. mm-hmm. you know you can as an adult you can say oh yeah that's airbrushed mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. oh yeah that that story or that you know, movie, that's not accurate or that's, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're making that up or whatever. We can have, you know, life experience mm-hmm. to be able to say that. But as a, as a, mm-hmm. as a kid, I mean, I mean, the, the vulnerability of being young and naive is that you, you don't have that wisdom to say, oh, that, that's not, that's not real. I think, although I want to, I want to talk about something in, in, in that sense. And this, I do this with my I have at times with my brothers. My brothers have all the kids in the family. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think there's even more of a, a bigger responsibility from an adult perspective with their children right now to actually dive in a little bit younger on these types of conversations around self-love, self-esteem. How do you feel about yourself? Like, what does that make you feel? Yeah. At five, six, seven, whatever, even if we assume they're not getting it, I just sit here and think, okay, how do I help prevent a slippery slope when I'm not around? Like when they're being exposed by mass media, whatever, social media, and they are sitting in front of something they shouldn't be or they're sitting in front of comparison on a regular basis, how have I prepared them for that moment? Because I can't control the moments. I can't control the exposure as much. You know, I can try, but I, I need to, to have... I, I ideally have influenced them to feel a certain way about themselves when they're exposed. Um, so I think that, like I said to the Dax at one point with the kids, I'm like, just forget. You keep saying, actually, this I can't. I can't say it specifically to him, but there's a bunch of people that assume they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know anyway. So why talk to them that way? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, do it anyway. Mm-hmm. What's the harm in it? Mm-hmm. Because they are so much more aware and so much smarter than we give them credit for at a young age that I think it protects them a little bit as they grow. 
but um not to say that you want them to grow up too fast and not and not be miss some moments in there but here's the thing we are evolving so fast as a human race right now we are not 50 years ago in the 50 years prior right. we are right now and these little beings are being born being able to look at a phone six months old and know how to work with it like mm-hmm. the dna is there mm-hmm. so we've and it's highly evolved dna so we've I think we just got to back it up a bit and ideally uh, support the, the, the aspects of self-esteem and self-love and self-worth mm-hmm. younger first. Well, then obviously then they have more discernment around things too. If you feel confident in who you are, you're not going to be so influenced by that picture or that image right. or that, right? Exactly. Um, which, you know, and I think a lot of, um, imprinting happens before the age of six, really. Absolutely. Um, which is before necessarily those things. So it's not to say, you know, there, you're right. There are more, um, um, I guess, you know, kids are evolving faster, but I still think their maturity to understand the real, I guess, consequence of choices and, and, you know, perceptions you, you don't fully understand the ramifications of that you know for years and there's still adults that don't understand that i am 47 and still in therapy on those things it's like i'm like wow that came up i think that was seven years old you know like yeah. and that's okay Absolutely. hey guess what that's okay that's a process of right. being a human being at this mm-hmm. point here. i think you really touched on something good there too crystal is that having those conversations and creating a culture within your home mm-hmm. and a language in with within your home that uh, is just like second nature mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of um, maybe even my struggle in childhood was that I didn't have a language to put mm-hmm. to my feelings. Mm-hmm. And so that was the frustrating part of it. There's there's things now that I mm-hmm. am in my 30s ha- finally having a language to put to what I experienced mm-hmm. as a child. And so I think, mm-hmm. yeah, like just keeping that conversation open. And mm-hmm. I don't know, my my husband, he says, he, he always says, Crystal's so open. She talks about sex at the dinner table. <laughs> and I put my hat, you know, my <laughs> face in my hands. I'm like, Crystal, do we have to talk about this? Here? And he said, yes. Yes, yes. We have to talk about yes. sex at the dinner table. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. because this is where, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is, this is the foundation that we're creating mm-hmm. so that, when really hard stuff comes mm-hmm. that we have built a yeah. language, a foundation, a safe space for mm-hmm. them to come and talk to about yeah. it. Well, and I think that's the part too, you know, when we talk about, you know, when it's talking about sex at home, it's sexuality. Um, it's normalizing sex, but not to, not trivial, not making it trivial mm-hmm. either. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that there's, yeah. there's a, you know, this sense of, well, if you talk about sex, you're going to make it not a big deal. And then, you know, Mm. kids aren't going to honor it. Mm. Um, But I think it's actually the opposite. When you Mm -hmm. have those conversations, you know, you're talking about the union, the connection, the, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, what that looks like in, in a committed relationship, um, that there's actually more respect for it. Otherwise the opposite is, I think there ends up being shame, Mm -hmm. um, which will go one of two ways, either where, you know, they won't allow themselves to be in relationship at all. 
And because there's so much like guilt or shame or like that's dirty, that's something I shouldn't participate in. Mm. Or it'll go the opposite, the shame where then they'll actually be maybe more promiscuous or, you know, not have the same value on it. I think I think it can go either way mm. from that same avoidance of the conversation, yeah. right? Interesting. I agree with that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because as you're talking, I hear, I see these flashbacks of my upbringing. I'm like, whoa, okay, that was, oh yeah, oh yeah, got it. You know, mm-hmm. and it had nothing to do with my parents. It had everything to do with when I wasn't around my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, and the external influence that I had in the other people, community, teachers, friends, friends, parents. Mm-hmm. You know, friends, parents are a big thing because they're still an authority at one point or another in, in upbringing, but then they have that influence, right? So do you think then if you had more conversation and, and, and you can answer, did you have conversation oh, yeah. at home uh, around mm-hmm. sex? Because do you think if you did, those other people would have as much influence? Uh, well, no. Yeah. Okay. Let me re-answer that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> yes. I know. Um, the answer, the question, did we have conversations around sex? Not in general, but yes, with my mom, Mm. but later on, like not early enough, I don't Mm. think. And, uh, and then because the exposure sexually, Mm -hmm. you know, finding a porn magazine somewhere accidentally in the bush or something like that with somebody honestly happened, um, going, what's this? And then not wanting to talk about it. Like, I know that's not right and mm-hmm. not wanting to talk about it um, and then trying to figure it out on, on my own and whatever and and then um, again I grew up in a very masculine environment with my brothers and my dad and whatever and so the uh, but my mom was awesome she was always she really instilled a lot of hey you've got your you're welcome to say what you feel like she was really supportive in, in me having the courage to have conversations mm-hmm. <laughs> at 10 years old mm-hmm. or whatever eight years old but um it even so the belief systems the idea the self-worth the self-esteem the stuff that happened behind that mm-hmm. without me sharing it was was also a big deal you right. know and it influenced me that way so I, you know when we think about how do we prepare these beautiful beings for the exposure we're not ready there we don't even know is happening Mm -hmm. and we will probably never know is Mm -hmm. happening i'm thinking about that with my nieces and nephews right now Mm -hmm. confident they're having exposure that we don't even know um how do i help them i help them in honestly it's just simple hey this is how do you feel about yourself do you love yourself Mm -hmm. And, and are you confident and are you can you speak do you have trust in me thankfully honestly for me i feel like even the least amount of exposure that I have with them, they can trust me because I'm, I try to be as transparent and honest with them. Um, so that's the big, the big things that we can do to help prepare them for the exposure that we don't know. And then just help them make those choices in the meantime. Right. So, well, and so thinking about that, I and mean, I have a, um, 12 year old and a nine year old, almost 13 and 10. Yeah. Um, You know, so definitely that teenager, um, you know, going through the process of puberty and and discovering a whole new side of themselves, you know, which is normal and natural. Um, But there's a a wisdom, too, around what to share, how to share, 
you know, obviously if they ask questions, answer the questions, but, um, but also trying to get ahead of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. you don't want them to Mm -hmm. be exposed to something like you said and be like, what is this? I don't Mm -hmm. understand. But also not introduce concepts that are maybe beyond their Mm -hmm. ability to understand or maturity. Mm -hmm. So there's always this like delicate dance and it's not necessarily by age either. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to do with their physical maturity um, as as well as emotional maturity. Um, their a, social exposure. Exactly. A yeah. real wisdom around, which it, it takes being involved in your kids' lives. It does. To really understand, you know, what that, what those influences, to get it before that happens, you know? Perfect that you say that, because I was just thinking the proactivity, bring up the conversation before the conversation's required. Yeah. It's right. it's saying, you know, I'm not going to say his name because he, he's my nephew. I, I won't expose him at this point, but I'll, <laughs> I'll say, hey, dude, um, we need to talk about the porn you're watching on your on your phone that you accidentally stumbled across, um, you know, probably last year. Let's talk about it. And he'll look at me in shock going, how do you know, auntie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, that's hypothetical. Mm-hmm. But making the assumption and bringing it up, saying, hey, not if you're exposed. It's, I'm confident you're probably exposed already. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, bringing it up is the biggest thing because yeah. we assume I would prefer to be proactive than reactive because mm-hmm. you have less damage in the proactivity mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. well and I think too having having those conversations like a lot of the the conversations around sex or mm-hmm. porn for for me growing up was like don't do it yeah <laughs> yeah you know and this terrible um, feeling of shame that mm-hmm. if I did, I was bad, dirty, you know, wrong, mm-hmm. all, you know, that kind of girl. And, mm-hmm. and I think, um, you know, having the conversations around, okay, well, there's actually a science behind mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. to your brain mm-hmm. yes. when you're watching exposed. Porn. Exactly. And this, these are the dangers. Like this is, you know, we've even talked about like masturbation with with the mm-hmm. kids and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I personally don't think that there's anything wrong with it. But yeah. what I have said to them is, you know, it's it's when you feel like you are doing that to cope with life, yeah. to not think mm-hmm. about life, or mm-hmm. or or when you know, like, right, right. So just just, um. Yeah, not just saying, don't do it, it's bad, or go ahead and do it all you mm-hmm. want, but mm-hmm. having real mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. about maybe the dangers mm-hmm. of right. yeah. watching too much, or not the dangers. I sound like an yeah. after-school special, <laughs> but do you get what I'm saying? Like, actually, uh, you bring up a topic of, um, my dad actually gave me a book, um, it's called Sex God. And I downloaded that and listened yes. to it. Yeah. <laughs> And it was, uh, I think he gave it to me when I was in my 20s, but it probably, I think it's actually a really good book for for kids, uh, girls, and it's written for girls in in their teens. And it's really Mm -hmm. about more the the emotional and spiritual exchange that happens Mm -hmm. through uh, sex and any, like, sexual interaction, right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, as their bodies are becoming, um, you know, 
this whole body image and confidence and all those things. Cause you know, if we don't have that value, we're, you know, this is where a lot of times girls will look for it from someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they'll maybe engage in something that they maybe consciously wouldn't do on their own accord, but they're doing it because it gives them praise. It gives them acceptance. Yeah. Um, and so the whole idea of what, what's the cost of that? Like what's the, the spiritual cost, the exchange that's happening, mm-hmm. um, in something that is so sacred. Um, and I think I, I highly recommend the book. It's been around yeah. for a long time, but it, I think it's a good, you know, that whole, I think like we need saying, to it's, it's the, it's not just the, you know, the physical engagement in pornography or, um, or any sexual activity, it's actually what's going on mentally and yes. emotionally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think the other thing, too, is... Um, we were originally talking about body image and Mm self-worth and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff, right? Um, Being proactive in the conversations is significant, but I I also think that um, around the porn, not porn, I would say sexual exposure Mm -hmm. is the buffer really is, I guess this kind of goes back to you. I'm thinking of you and your family. I'm like, man, it takes someone healthy in themselves with those concepts to be able to have the conversations and then bring up the conversations. Mm. Okay. So maybe you don't, you're, you've taken that for granted that you and your husband actually are healthy, potentially, I'm assuming healthy. I'm assuming because you can have those conversations healthy in yourself around your own concept enough to be able to be, Hey, let's talk about this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you, you go back to it, you're like, okay, what a beautiful mirror. Oh, I can't even imagine. Let's just say mm-hmm. somebody says, I can't even imagine having a conversation with my eight-year-old about porn and sex. Well, then there's some work to do inside first. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some stuff inside the healing in that person first to be able to have that. Because mm-hmm. what is, you know, healthy around it? Mm-hmm. And and then guiding guiding these little beings into that place of, Again, self-confidence and self-worth around it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we then have an opportunity as parents or as people who are influencing or guiding these little beings to look to do the work on ourselves. Go back to that book, mm-hmm. Sex God. Um, God, Sex God, Sex God. Yep, Sex God. Yep, Sex God. It's funny because it was I was driving back the other day and it was in my Audible. I'm like, right, that was a great book. But to be honest with you, for me, I think it's a little beyond children. Mm. I think we need to rewrite it. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. do. I think so. Because um, even for me as an adult and knowing what I know, I'm like, these are pretty big concepts in this book for a teenager. Or, you know, and but the, they're the time that you need to be exposed absolutely. to them. That's the hard part. So maybe you're right. Maybe a little bit different. And it might be something that you read first as a parent. Yeah. And then... You know, you can have a conversation, like use reframe. it as a tool exactly. to have a conversation, right? Yeah. Reframe, yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Because, I mean, this is part of, you know, how do we get, how are we resilient, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of, you know, how do we raise young 
beautiful um, girls that become women that are resilient and confident and, you know, self-assured mm-hmm. um, that means that they're less influenced by the realities of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's part of, you know, what we're really trying to get to the root of. Yes, there's, there's all these factors and all these influences, and um, but how do we... How do we raise these girls to be resilient? Mm-hmm. How do we, knowing that very much how they feel about themselves in terms of body image and um, self-awareness and sexuality and sexual identity and all of those things um, is reflective in the mother, in the, mm-hmm. in the, in, from their, their female mm-hmm. um, uh, exposure, whatever feminine exposure that mm-hmm. has, you know, for them. Um, it all comes back to it all comes back to how do you feel about yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, isn't that the gift of having children? Is like you just get to look at yourself mm-hmm. all the time. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think motherhood's probably challenged me more uh, than I've ever been challenged in any other area in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, you you make me think of this. Mm-hmm. So I have two daughters, and my middle one came out so confident, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm so incredibly confident I remember looking at her at, like as a three-year-old and being like I wish I had her confidence Aww, like, I don't know okay. where that came from cool and I can remember walking past a mirror stopping kind of looking at myself turning sideways maybe I sucked in a little uh. or something and then just kept walking and she stopped me she was about six years old and she Ooh. stopped me and she said mommy Ooh. when you look in the mirror you don't go Ew, you look bad today. You look you look in the mirror and you say, Yeah, girl, you no. look great. <laughs> really? <laughs> no way. That is amazing. And I love it. I, I I will never forget that she yeah. said that because <laughs> I remember she mm. saw something mm-hmm. that I wasn't even aware of. Uh, it was so subliminal. Yeah. And I, I hadn't even said words. I hadn't I hadn't even made a, a sound. I literally it, just looked at myself in the mirror and she could see that I was displeased with what I was Interesting. I so good. It's and so good. I, I think, you know, um that that's probably been a, a big lesson for me as they become teenagers mm. is that it is so much more about what I do, how I live my own life Mm -hmm. rather than what I say to them Mm -hmm. because my words are always you're beautiful Mm -hmm. you're you're perfect you're you're you know my my daughters are now taller than me I'm almost five eight yeah yeah and they're women holy man they have women's bodies now and it happened quick for them like it happened quick for me and I think there's a different process Mm -hmm. that you go through Mm -hmm. when you're 11, 12, 13, and you're the size of a woman Mm -hmm. and you have to go into the world like that, but you don't yet have the defenses that you need to navigate Mm -hmm. being exposed in that way, you know? And I think, you know, the other piece that you're taught that, that you were talking about is, you know, how do we how do we build this self-confidence within them so that they can handle mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and maybe not give in to things that they would if they didn't have that self-confidence? I mean, I think 
half of my, uh, you know, teenage 20s was all about just being validated by outside sources because mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. didn't know how to validate myself. Mm. I didn't know how to look at myself and be like, you know what? You are enough. Mm-hmm. You you are beautiful. You mm-hmm. are, you know, and I and it wasn't because my parents didn't tell me that. It mm-hmm. wasn't because they didn't believe in me. I don't I really don't know. I think you hit it on the head though. I think the representation of how we learn is through watching. Mm-hmm. Um it's just through watching. And so the responsibility of the guide of the person who's taking care, who's rep- who's influencing these people is who are you being, not what are you saying? Mm-hmm. And then if you're, who you're being and what are you saying is different, there's mistrust. Yeah. So they're not going to see it. They're just going to go, meh, I don't trust mom. I don't trust dad. I don't trust my teacher because they're a hypocrite. It's like a lack of integrity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I can't trust that. So then they have, they're floundering in it. So first and foremost, again, I'm just saying this, reminding myself, be integral. Mm-hmm. Like be, be who I am. Speak who I am, and if who I am isn't perfect, speak who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Because there's the trust level. Here, here's who I am, and then they can go. Here's who I am. I don't need to be perfect, but I can communicate this. And then also um, check in. It's like then who am I being? Mm-hmm. Without saying a word, who am I being? And again, you know. I've known to been hard on, to be hard on myself a little bit every once in a while. So there's a grace about not being perfect, right, Alana? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so here's the thing: Our, the little human beings we're influencing—they've got a journey. Yes. We we can only buffer. We can only influence as much as possible, and then they've their soul has a journey right. that they came here to experience too. So well, and and I always think they they knew where they were going when they came. Right. Right. So. Even though they don't, you know, it, you're right. It's a journey, um, and I think as any parent, we just want to, you know, support them and and really um, equip them the best we can to face the world, knowing that you know there's going to be challenges that they're going to have. But I, you know, I I want to do my work as much as I can so that they're not having to deal with my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> True. Yeah. That's exactly I, it. Yes, it's exactly yes. it. Isn't that part of our like? Isn't that part of our life's calling on this yeah. earth? Yeah, absolutely. Clear. The, I'm clear totally it. confident that if I had had children in my early 20s, I, hadn't, I wouldn't have made so many mistakes in my late 20s. <laughs> <laughs> they are amazing teachers. They are amazing teachers, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the, you're yeah. right. They do say the craziest things, like, you know, um, which is so truthful and raw and real. And, yes. um and I think that the more we're connected to them and, you know, for myself, I've had to really give myself grace in it. I'm not perfect. And, you know, there's times I'm not conscious when I'm parenting and I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'll be the first one to come back and apologize and, you know, like, like really admit mistakes. Mm, yeah. I think that that, you know, as parents, we want to get it right. And then when we don't get it right, you know, we beat ourselves up, but we don't say anything. Right. Whereas I think they deserve to have that, um, not just apology, but like understanding of, you know, I, I screwed up there. Yeah. I, I shouldn't have, you know, mm-hmm. said that or, or done that or. And for those who don't know Alana, 
or can't see Alana right now, her eyes are welling up and she's got tears in her eyes, which <laughs> means it's ha- real. <laughs> it's real. It's authentic. It's yeah. true. So, you know, and yeah. I agree with you mm-hmm. completely is that the vulnerability around, hey, I'm not perfect. Hey, I made a mistake. Wow, what a gift that teaches a human being otherwise, right? Yeah. Adults too. Yeah. Well, and I think too, when you, like for me, I grew up with parents that weren't vulnerable about mm-hmm. maybe mistakes that they made in their like, past, weren't vulnerable with mistakes that they had made in their present. Mm-hmm. And then you, as a child, you think, oh, well, this, th- I think it breeds perfectionism, actually. Right. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. you think, oh, well, mom and dad, you know, never did this and they never did that. But mm. we have no idea, you know, mm-hmm. what they what they did do or what the reality of it. It's it's like my parents thought that they were protecting me by mm-hmm. not exposing themselves when what really happened was I didn't see them as real human beings. True. Mm-hmm. True. And, you know, I I try and I try to be as uh, I try to humble myself before my children mm-hmm. and I do on a regular basis because I have to because mm-hmm. I make mistakes every day mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you know and I and I apologize and sometimes I get sick of my own apology <laughs> I'm like just don't do it again you know like but I think that they I think the fruit of that is that they come to me and they admit their uh, mm-hmm. um, mistakes mm-hmm. and they apologize to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not be right away. It might be the next day and they'll say, hey, mom, you know what? When I was doing that, I, I'm really sorry I did that. Mm-hmm. I, I was mm-hmm. I was feeling this way or that way. And then we have a conversation about it. And it's, I think it's about mirroring mm-hmm. 100%. That. 100%. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for, mm-hmm. for that. I, I relate to the... You know, I didn't see my parents be vulnerable either. And, and again, I think maybe part of the generation, part of, like mm. you said, the, the um, protecting you, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so you grew up thinking, well, the world's just, you know, everybody's perfect. Or, you know, I thought all oh, my aunts and uncles had the best relationships and yeah. Yeah, the world was like wonderful, <laughs> but then there gives the expectation that you have to be perfect. Yes. And then if things don't feel right, then you often blame yourself. Because if nobody's taking responsibility, well, it must be my responsibility. Mm -hmm. So taking on things that's not yours. It's interesting. A friend of mine has a daughter who's 19, going on 28, I think. And uh, she's such a beautiful, beautiful human being. Got a lot of awareness and wisdom and whatever already. But what happened a couple weeks ago was, uh, maybe a month ago, she was coming over and she's going through some uh, an independent stage in her life. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so she's popping by and she's so... I, I love it. I feel grateful that she has... The, her and her mom are... You know, that I'm somebody that she can come to. Um, but anyway, so she comes over one time and she's... I'm like, so how's it going? You know, like, what's going on? Whatever, we're chatting, whatever, doing her thing. And, and then... She, she's so sweet because she's always like, how are you and what's going on with you? And I was like, and I forget she's 19 sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. All the time. And I was like, well, and I was just sharing with her that, hey, I've had a pretty hard, rough year. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a really amazing year. But in the rough year, the things that have sort of been tough and rough and whatever have accumulated, 
and this is how I'm feeling, and these are the things that I actually have needed to do to take care of that. And I just shared a bunch of weaknesses with her, and I was like, this is how I'm, you know, I went to my naturopath, and I needed to actually get some medicine and some do some things that are pretty vulnerable for an independent, strong, capable human being, or woman, I'll say, right, with her. Mm-hmm. And I shared this thing with her, whatever she leaves, we, we chat a little bit more about whatever and she leaves. And then about a week later, she's like, she's talking about a circumstance that she had. And she's like, she's like, I actually, after we had that conversation, Crystal, I went home and I cried for the rest of the night. I'm like, oh, she goes, yeah, she just, she's like, I just perceived you as having your shit together and having your stuff all figured out. And you're so I just have always admired and wanted to aspire to be very similar to you and blah, blah, whatever. And then you told me that you weren't perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, thank God I told her, you know, (laughs) right? Thankfully, she had her own sadness about, you know, her own stuff. Like, wow, I, I actually, I can't speak for her, but the revelation around, hey, this woman is real and, true you know she's she's a human being right she's mm-hmm. not just this thing to att- try to admire to be like and whatever mm-hmm. and i'm like thank god i actually was authentic with her you know a hundred percent thank Don't god we sometimes put people up on pedestals yeah mm-hmm. you know and and it's yeah i try and rem- mm-hmm. remind myself when i do that with someone that they're mm-hmm. human too yeah yeah they're human yeah. too well, and i'm guaranteed our children put us on a pedestal Oh yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, you know, I you know, you hear it in them. They you know, they crave time with me. Mm-hmm. They you know they, mm-hmm. um, you know, just by the they're very both of them very vocal and how much they love me and yeah. um, you know my oldest is very good about you know she she's melts my heart when she says you know i'm so lucky i have a mom i can talk to and you know and uh but you know they put you in that 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 space which it's not that we're you know understanding that we're there first of all but then also you know realizing that that's why it's so important to be vulnerable with them so Mm -hmm. that you know it's not about you know thinking that you know they're wrong because they can't attain this perception right i mean i think that's really what that was about you know where you know um we often think that we're at fault or we're dysfunctional or we have something wrong with us if you know we have all these feelings and thoughts and and you know things that aren't going well and this person's got it all together Mm -hmm. whereas actually when we're truthful and honest and vulnerable especially with the people closest to us it actually gives them permission to do the same. Exactly. To be beyond the stuff, yeah. be beyond it. And again, I think we talked about this in the previous podcast is that, so going back to influencing these young, mm-hmm. beautiful, amazing people is be authentic, mm-hmm. be in your stuff, learn your stuff, let the mirror of them in your life actually mm-hmm. let you look at your stuff, yeah. work on your stuff, whatever. Cause first of all, I think you said it, uh, we're as parents, we're, it's it's a, not a matter of being perfect ever, ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever, right? But at the same time, and then also, every single human being on the planet has to have forgiveness for their parents because right. they they weren't perfect, yes. right? Yes. We have to. Yeah. Yes. 
And if we don't, I just had this conversation with my brother the other day about it's so cool. We're sitting and we're trading, you know, forex trading, and he made a mistake in in his trade or whatever. And I said, so where'd that come from, Dax? Like, you know, like what is that for? Where's the belief system? What happened in that moment? Whatever. And he's like, I just don't like authority. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's interesting. You know, the mirror reflection is sort of, and then he goes to a very huge statement about our dad and that, that it was, he hated him for a long time. So, uh, then of course that rolls all the way into the self and Dax got picked on by our dad for a long time Mm -hmm. on a variety of things around body image Mm -hmm. and you're too fat and you're like stubby little guy. You need to actually, and then he was on a diet when he was like, not a diet, but dad was bugging him all the time about, not eating what we could we could eat, Tate and I, you know? And so there's lots of stuff there. So then there's just... So in that, I'm like, here's where it starts. You got to forgive them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ju- just got to let them off. Let yourself off the hook. Mm-hmm. You got to forgive dad. He was only doing the best he knew how, which was at times shit, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. But... It'll help your trading. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mind the freedom. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. You're going to make more money. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think right. that's part of like why I feel so much pressure is because I know how much, I think for a very long time in my life, I was only able to focus on the negativity that my mom imposed upon my life. Mm. And I felt this incredible weight of responsibility that I was going to impose Mm. that same negativity on my kids Mm. and it really wasn't until my mom passed away that I Mm. felt like I was given the gift of a clear perspective interesting and really it wasn't until she passed that I truly forgave and I'm I'm sad that it took there. Mm-hmm. It took that. That it took that. But I'm also so grateful that I can look at her with so much grace now and mercy mm. and peace and pure love because I know she really just did the, the best. best she yeah. could. And I feel like so much of that negativity is erased now. Mm. And I... um. I actually just really quickly I yeah, found you don't have to I found quick. all these I found these prayer journals that she mm. had written in and I found um notes that she had kept from when I was 13 years old that she carried in her overnight bag with her for it you know would have been 25 years Whoa. now and I think I was just given I believe that God's hand was just on all of that in in giving me this new lens Mm. to be able to see even how she saw me. Mm -hmm. And I think in being able to see how she saw me, I could see myself in that way too. And so, um, wow. Can you imagine, can you imagine being able to have that conversation before she died? Like her having that with you, Mm -hmm. not just in a journal, but actually saying, this is how I see you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then vice versa. This is how I see you. And if it's negative, let, let the the gift of the communication happen. Yeah, we, we you know my my mother in law passed away a year before, 
And that gave me a new perspective that really sent me and my mom into this healing journey. Mm. And we were able to say so many things to each other that we'd never been able to say before. Mm. And we were Mm -hmm. able to really get real with one another. Mm. But I think she struggled with that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And um, she just wasn't... She, it just wasn't in her nature mm-hmm. to be able to be. She would tell everybody else how great I was. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, just, just right. it was hard for her to tell me, you know, face to face. So, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that just that gift of, I think that gift of perspective was mm-hmm. what I really was given, even in that pain of, mm-hmm. of, of, of losing her, you know. Mm-hmm. So. It's funny because my dad died when I was 21, and I actually had the same interesting story but uh, my parents split up when I was 16 and my dad died when I was 21 so in that process of 16 to 21 him and I had a tumultuous I mean we had a tumultuous relationship by the time I was 13 because mom taught me that I could actually speak my mind and he didn't like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but same thing when he passed away I was relieved of proving to him something Mm -hmm. you know I was like, hmm, weird. Uh, so all I'm thinking right now to anybody listening is don't wait till they die. Just relieve yeah. yourself of it mm-hmm. and find a way. Imagine that they died. Mm-hmm. What would you do? How would you relieve yourself? What, where would you gift yourself with the freedom to heal in ways that you might not, right? Mm-hmm. But also um, predicting, I actually ended up predicting his death, um, and he died, died in an accident. So uh, outwardly predicted, predicted it for probably about three months before he died. And, uh, and I was actually in a personal development course at the time. And the last day that we had uh, the ability, I stood up and it, it was sort of like they said, hey, last chance to say anything. And I'm like, I think these people are going to think I'm crazy. But I, I keep hearing in my right ear that my dad's going to die longer story and we'll get in another podcast but point is um before so i predicted it told people what do you think this is oh it's about abandonment oh it's about this about that whatever and i'm like "Mm, yeah that all makes sense but it's not it 10 days later he dies in an accident okay what was that for what was happening before that was again similar to your your relationship with your mom um, the year before we were, I had sat down with them and said, you know, you suck as a friend. I suck as a friend. Do we want to be friends? Mm. Even though we're related, we don't need to be. Um, but let's talk about that. So we had decided about a year before to figure out how to be friends. Mm. So we were working on this friendship ish. And so the insight in, Hey, he's going to die. I'm going back to the concept, hey, think that they died, is it motivated me to get in touch with him. I'm like, oh, if he's going to die, maybe I should call him, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we think that we don't have the time, or if mm-hmm. we think of who would I be if my parents weren't here, mm-hmm. that influence wasn't here, we might be able to nip something ahead mm-hmm. of time before... It's in reaction, right? Mm -hmm. You know? So if we go back to being the influence of our children, it is so 
I'm kind of processing this as I'm speaking. So go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I do think it comes down to healing, you know, our wounds, right? Like, and I will say whether the person's alive or not is irrelevant to your healing. Right. So does it mean you might be able to have a relationship with that person in a different way? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, But whether or not they're alive or not doesn't make a difference in terms of healing from it and moving through it and forgiving and getting Mm -hmm. perspective. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, You know, there's time doesn't exist in that realm. Exactly. Um, So regardless of the circumstance, I would say, you know, as soon as we recognize that we're holding unforgiveness, that's maybe keeping us stuck, that's that's influencing our our projection and how we're parenting or how we're influencing the, you know, the young beings in our life. And um, then we have to address it. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's that's what I meant when I got to deal with my stuff so my kids don't have to do it for me. Right. Um, And. You know, I know for myself, I had a an ex- similar an experience where my mom and I, my parents actually, but it was for me, it was with my mom and kind of really breaking the codependency mm-hmm. bond um, and where, you know, I was in a place in my life where my husband was, was, was my number one, right? And my family. Um, and that was creating tension for oh, them. Yeah. And I was like, no, you know, this is what has to be. And I needed to take a space. And it was it was grieving the loss of mm. the idea of, of who I thought and wanted her to be, not because it just was what I projected, right? right? And I get a phone call at work, and um, my dad had said, oh, you, you know, can you come to the hospital? Your mom's had a what they thought was a heart attack. Um and of course, I'm, yeah, I, come, I came right away. And long story short, she ended up being fine. But when I walked in the room, she was in the hospital room, and I walked in and it hit me where I was like, man, in your mind, you're treating it as if she's already gone, mm-hmm. but she's right here in front of you. So just love her. Uh. Um, and it was a gift that I got that not everybody gets where they actually do have a heart attack or something happens where it was, you know, if I didn't need anything from this relationship and I just was in it to love her, which yeah. is what unconditional love is, um, how would I treat that? How would, right. I, how would I be different? And it freed me from so much of the expectations and, you know, all of the things that we take personally. And it just allowed me to just be like, no, I, she's my mom. I just want to love her. Yeah. Um, which allowed me to also shift in my being with my kids too yeah absolutely what a beautiful ripple hey Mm -hmm. and don't you think that that's in a way how we are to love our children too absolutely like we're just to meet them where they're at and accept them as they are and you know i think we like in my naive mind i thought i was gonna have these you know, brown-haired, brown-eyed, little curly-haired babies that were just like me. <laughs> like, how narcissistic to think that, <laughs> you know? And and then they ended up being so different mm-hmm. than me, almost to the point where I, like, admired them for their differences. Cool. And, you know, mm-hmm. and and I think, yeah, yep. there's there's a part of me sometimes I have to remind myself not to be so critical okay because I can be critical mm-hmm. and it's totally out of a place of like I just want you to be prepared for the real <laughs> world you know true but um oh yeah but 
being the parent to my child that I needed yeah. to, like, that I, that I needed from my mom, mm-hmm. you know, like, right. I needed more just acceptance. I needed more. Right. Here's a question. Yeah. And I'm confident that from a time perspective, because we could, <laughs> here's what happens. Next thing you know, it's four hours. Um, but I, so here's a question. What if we were speaking to the, let's just say they're listening to this. I'm not sure how that would happen, but the eight-year-old, the nine-year-old, the 12-year-old, the 15-year-old, the 16, you know, the, 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 the little ones that, the humans that we get to influence. How, what would you say to them in terms of relating with their parents and asking their parents for what they want in terms of support. So what would your children say to you and what would your children Mm -hmm. say to you or hopefully be able to say to you in saying, Mom, I listened to this podcast (laughs) and these chicks were saying this stuff. What would you say? That's a hard one for me. It it is an... um it isn't in only because I feel like I've, with all the work I've done, I've kind of gone through some of my experience of what I wanted from my mom at various times in my life. But um, one of the biggest things was just be with me, uh, you know, not fix it, not, okay. um, you know, come in and rescue, not uh, try and take away the, the suffering, but oh. just be with me. Okay. Right. So okay. see me, hear me, uh, listen to mm. me. Um, acknowledge me, mm. make me feel like what I have to say is valuable and mm. important, you know, like just be with me, mm. right? Yeah. Physically, mentally, and emotionally. Mm. Um, and when I see my kids, that's what they want. You know, when they're constantly, hey, look at me while I sing this song or I'm playing this thing. What are they doing? They're saying, see me, yeah. hear me, look at me. Mm. I just want to be with you. Mm. So Great. that's what I would say. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Totally relate to that. I, I would say very much so what you what you said but also like not everything is uh not every moment is an opportunity for a lesson mm-hmm. not every single moment needs to be oh, this yeah. teaching mm-hmm. moment yeah just mm-hmm. okay so, yeah okay. sometimes it's just let's have the laugh experience. it off okay mm-hmm. like, okay sometimes okay because right? yeah. i i think i think it's a I good take point the parenting too seriously it's a great times, point and there's times where we just need to to let to it laugh. happen. Right. Yeah. Let yeah. it happen. Interesting. Yeah. I love it. I love that feedback. I'm letting my nieces and nephews listen to the mm-hmm. and my brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think that's you know at the end of the day, when we're talking about this concept about value and worth and how we see ourselves and our, our bodies and you know it comes down to that is instilled by what we are showing them. So inevitably by by being lighter, by by being vulnerable, by you know seeing and hearing and acknowledging, you know your child's experience, even if you don't fully understand it, mm-hmm. that gives them confidence, mm-hmm. that gives them value, mm-hmm. and that's it's like putting money in a bank, right? It's going to continue. You're not going to do it perfect every time, but every single time, it's like putting in another investment over mm-hmm. and over and over again, mm-hmm. um, and that's what builds that foundation. Mm-hmm. And so that they can come out into the world and, you know, overcome. Interesting. Um, So I have absolutely adored this whole conversation. And all I'm thinking is every adult on the planet needs to listen to it. (laughs) Um, 
there's been some really beautiful gifts. It's been fun given yes, to us yeah, for so sure. You I've learned a lot. I'm like wow, this is great. Um, Crystal, I want to thank you for actually being here with us. Oh, yes, it, your you. feedback and your insight and your gift of communicating the way you do and the things that you have to share. I'm going to cry. I can't oh. cry. <laughs> um, is a gift. Thank you for being. Yeah. Okay, Alani, you got to wrap this up. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, look forward to hearing your feedback. And yeah. uh, stay tuned for the next, the next show. Thank you. Thanks.